Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is going to be about asset-based development. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? I'm gonna do something different. I'm t- I listened to a couple of our podcasts, and I'm yeah. so sick of my my agenda that I have in front of my face. Yeah. If everybody wants to know why it always sounds the same in the beginning, it's because I have this thing in front of my face, yeah. and I just read off of it. Well, you're an engineer. Bro. I know. That's yeah. I created it's a very this engineering it says thing to do. Agenda layout. It's very <laughs> orderly. But I'm tired of it. <laughs> if it's graph paper on your computer, I would extra love that. that it's true. a PDF of an Excel printout. Oh, so there you uh, go. Uh, you know? Still the lines there. Love it's it. So yeah. engineering. <laughs> well, I'm doing away with this. Okay. okay. All right. So I don't. I don't want to log in every time. And I already don't like listening to myself talk on this. Yeah. Add that with it. Just sounds the same. I bet so. people are giving each other high fives. Like, yes, we're not gonna Stay tuned. listen to this moron yeah. <laughs> talk like this anymore. Jared's bleepers or bloopers, <laughs> however you might want to call it. Uh, okay. Asset-based development. Yes. You Boom. brought this to the forefront, Brett. I did. And you wanted to kind of give us a rundown on what it is, why we should care about it, and then maybe drop some knowledge bombs on knowledge it. Bombs. Boom. So I feel bad. I feel like the last couple podcasts have been like Brett lectures, Brettshers, if you will. Brett I like shers. them. Yeah. I like learning. I'm here to learn, everybody. Wow. I like learning. What are you learning today? All right. So asset-based development. And it really, this is a philosophy, uh, a state of mind, a way of life, if you will. Mm. Sure. So the idea is, if you are listening to this podcast, undoubtedly, you care about development economic development, community development in the place that you live or wherever you are. Chances are that's mm-hmm. that's true. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Otherwise, this would be the most boring podcast yeah. you've ever listened to. <laughs> that's true. For sure. <laughs> you have to like all those things to listen to us. <laughs> for sure. So if you're in that very niche group, thank you for tuning in. Uh, still tuning in. So we're going to talk about Fair. asset-based development. So the idea is, you know, so the reason I want to talk about this is I spent 20 years working at a regional council where we were working with communities to do community and economic development. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys have heard this story, but people on the other end of the mic have never heard these stories. I can think of many times when I was in a planning meeting with a community, and this actually happened, and and a woman looked at me as we were talking about development, and she said, Brett, you know what we need? We need Toyota to move here (gasps) and bring us 3,000 jobs. Mm -hmm. To which I said, yes. And so does every community. Mm. But we have very little capacity to actually manifest that into mm-hmm. happening. We just yeah. don't have much ability to make that happen. And there's a mil- I could, I'll probably go into that later, but I'll, I'll save that. Asset-based development is the idea of sustainable development that is based on building on the assets and the skills and the things you already have 
in your community? Yeah. What makes us unique? What competitive advantages do we have that we could build on to, ben to produce positive benefits in our community? And that effort really starts with learning and understanding what you do have. For example, if you're a community that um, is filled with uh, breweries, you know, you've got a strong, small Sweet. cottage craft beverage industry, right? Yeah. The idea would be you would want to be attracting and working to attract development around that craft beverage industry because that's what you have a skill in. That's what you, that's what is you're strong at. Yeah. It would not be a good idea for you to suddenly try to become a mecca of computer software development because you don't really have any aptitude or resources or experience in that. So the likelihood of you doing that in a short term is very low. Yeah. And so the asset-based development is just what it says. How do we grow the things we have? And when I think about communities in south southeastern Ohio, I think about lo local culture, art, history, local food. Um, those types of things are asset-based development. Now, the reason that's kind of a departure from traditional development is when we're crafting incentives and we're crafting programs to try to get people to bring or start or build businesses in our communities – is it your opinion that we're looking for those kinds of things? Mm, no. We're, we're, right. Yeah. We're looking for things that will make 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 jobs yeah. in manufacturing and other kind of production type of industries. And um, our rural communities aren't always well suited for that. So understanding what are we are good at mm -hmm. and trying to build around those in order to build sustainable wealth, sustainable resources in our community, that's kind of at the heart of asset-based community development. And the reason I wanted to bring this up, and then I'll stop and let you guys have your takes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like over the past 20 years, I've watched communities spend 99% of their effort trying to attract things that they have less than 1% chance of getting. Do you know what I mean? Right. How do I get Google? to come to Racine, Ohio, population 400? The, the short answer is you probably don't. <laughs> um, but there are lots of things in that community that are probably more simpatico with what's there, what's already in existence, what do folks do, what are folks interested in that could yield to benefits. And so I'll end that by saying, um, you know, we talk a lot off mic about Strong Towns, the book Strong Towns. And I think there's a question in there that I think is absolutely the right question. And then I'll kind of close with this. Rather than trying to land one opportunity that creates 50 jobs, how do we get 50 people to create one job? I think that's yeah. the heart. And then that creates sustainable wealth, local ownership, all those things. All those things are at the heart of asset-based community development. And I just really firmly believe that our local communities, especially in Southeastern Ohio, should be really focusing on those types of efforts. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so closes the reading of my holy word. <laughs> <laughs> so to clarify that um, excerpt from Strong Towns, 50 people to create one job each. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love it. 
So Jared has all kinds of things written all over his face. Oh yeah, yeah. listener, yeah. you can't <laughs> see it. I can see. It. So when I hear hear that concept, there are going to be a lot of people in our community, specifically, and I think a lot of other rural metropolitan micropolitan areas, and they're going to say, "Okay, but we've been predominantly known as manufacturing. Sure, we've mm-hmm. we're, we're plants, baby." You know, blue collar worker, pack the lunch pail, give me my thermos. I'm going to give you my eight because that's the deal. Yes. Uh, how does how do we reconcile that? Because a lot of our industry, you know, I think if you look at revenue generation, tax dollar generation, et cetera, comes from those types of of things. I've I'm. I'm provoking more of a conversation here. I've already kind of got my own rebuttal to my own question, but I want to kind of see what you guys, you know, how how would you answer that if you're having this conversation, having a beer on your back porch and and somebody asks you that question, how do you reconcile that? You want want me to go first? Yeah, you go. So my answer to that, Jared, is those factories, those plants, we have very little input on their health, their viability, um, their ongoing operation. And so those entities are largely controlled by external parties. Mm -hmm. And if that external party decides that it's more beneficial for them to take it out of your community and put it someplace else, it will happen. There's often little that we can do. It's different if Sam owns a dry cleaning shop and, um, we do have input. We can do things to help Sam keep his business here or keep it healthy or help it grow and keep it viable that we can't exert on a huge plant or a huge factory. And so, yes, I agree that those big places have carried the freight, but, and I know I showed you this and I'll, I'll I'll link this in the show notes. Um, these, and, and don't at me on these numbers. They're, they're approximate, right? Yeah. But in southeastern Ohio, in the, in the eight counties of southeastern Ohio, there's something like 10,300 active business establishments. And of those 10,300 active establishments, something like 10,200 of them have 99 employees or less. There's only mm-hmm. about 100 um, businesses in our southeastern Ohio region that have more than 99 employees. The reason that's important is I think the stereotype is, and Jared's bringing it up, we all work in factories. Yeah. We yeah. all work in mines. Mm-hmm. You know, we all. All blue collar. Sure. Yep. And I would argue uh, the freight that really brought us a small and medium sized business. Mm-hmm. And we, we've just never maybe realized it because it's not as splashy as a big plant or a big factory. So yeah. um, the asset based development idea and the fact that we actually have local control over what happens to those or we can have impact on the health of those businesses through local ownership is a huge benefit that we just don't have with other things. Yeah. That's a super long answer. Well, and you see, you s- because it's a big factory, I mean, whenever something comes in and then goes, communities, governments are left to fill that void. Yes. You know, they have and it's to very hard to fill that void. It is. Yes. And they have to look at the dilapidated big manufacturer building. So just that pure presence of something so large – Oh, uh, doesn't help with the conversation because that's what people see. They don't see the 51-person jobs. They don't see those numbers that Brett just mentioned. They see the left, the remnants of, of what used to be. Yeah, it's a, it's a perception of yes. 
what was rather than what it actually was. Yeah. Um, or, and I think what asset-based man or community development is looking at what it, it it's going past the the, pr- the 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 past, right? Like even even if you have a district that maybe zone manufacturing has some existence of old old manufacturing buildings, but there's residential in there. Are those spaces being used differently now, even though they're a big building? Uh, you can say here locally there's a Boys and Girls Club in an old manufacturing large complex, which is in a, a manufacturing heavy-induced zone. Is that really the environment that is around there? And it's probably not. So how do you look at that at the community level to how to change the feel what people want there, what's going on there, just on that pure, I think, community, neighborhood-type level um, is beneficial to look at. I think communities do th- – I think neighborhoods do that. Um, I think what I see is a problem maybe the local governments don't acknowledge that kind of a grassroots effort, effort like that occurs. So when I listened to Brett's reading of the Holy Word <laughs> – I I think looking at it and saying asset-based development, I, I kind of envision what they mean is not necessarily what's carrying the bucket, but what's what's our most competitive advantage. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that is something we should build around. Um, you know, for a lot of communities out there that are, are Marietta or like Marietta, um, y- the towns themselves have the asset of charm all right i've said that on several episodes and to several people and i'm going to continue to say it until you understand it that can't be manufactured right okay um you're not we are not going to compete with the geographic um competitive advantages to being in columbus cincinnati cleveland that that's not going to happen right um, we also don't have the flat ground they have, right? But we have something different, and we have the ability to offer a very g- nice quality of life in a relatively quiet town and emphasizing on quality of life would be, like you were talking about, the arts, mm-hmm. um, recreation, those those type of things. Yep. And so it lends themselves more to um, facilitating, you know, from an economic development standpoint, facilitating small business and small business ownership, entrepreneurship, those those sort of things, which I would argue is really what our community was was founded on. Yes, we had, yep. you know, chair factories and you know all of yep. this stuff, but these people weren't they weren't the Solves and Cratons of the world. They yep. were fifty to a hundred person max um, establishments, and you know. Time, time passed by, mm-hmm. right? And um, we don't have those anymore. Uh, but we d- we're left with all of these subsequent downstream businesses that continued on. And so building those up, finding new ways to encourage them would also, you know, subsequently encourage other development in your downtown core. If you've got a rundown uh, part of, you know, a street in your downtown, how can you turn that into a couple of professional services firms? How can you turn it into a, some retail shops? How can right. you revitalize right. that area? And we're, we're doing some stuff. I don't know if people have 
noticed this on our website, but if there's a new tab called Insights, uh, it's going to be kind of like a micro blog. Um, and we're going to work on this over the next weeks and months um, to build that out into something that, you know, we've, we've got the idea. We just haven't had time to fully implement it yet. But we've got some um, pretty interesting graphics yeah. to show show oh people yeah. how just how sh important your downtown core is as compared to say going a landing a whale you know we're talking about industrial manufacturing but you know compared to say a walmart or a target or a lowe's or things like that that people are also out there yep. advocating oh we've we've got to have it we've got to have it yep mm -hmm. yeah and I'm, and I'm thinking back to what sam said and for me, one of the key hallmarks of asset-based development is we're trying to build wealth, local wealth. Yeah. That local wealth is developed through helping more people come into the ownership or operation of business, mm -hmm. where the revenue and resources generated by that business rem remain in the community they're generated. Yeah. So, you know, the more people we can have owning and operating small businesses the greater the more we're we're driving up local wealth yeah. and, and that's really what sustains communities over time yeah and i think that's just so important and, and to the point jared's making uh, I'll, I'll offer this for example outdoor recreation i would argue and for any of you that are out there that are outdoor enthusiasts especially if you're a mountain bike rider uh google mm -hmm. the bailey's trails in chauncey ohio this is a this is 80 miles of premier mountain bike trails that I will I will argue to you is probably the biggest economic development project that's happening in southeast southeastern Ohio right now. Yeah. And it's not a data center, it's not a it's not a BMW manufacturing plant, you know, it's not a liquid to gas electric plant, you know, all the, these are all things that we think of in traditional economic development. And the reason I bring those up is as I've watched these folks develop this outdoor recreation opportunity, the amount of incentives or programming out there to assist them is relatively small compared to the portfolio of programs that are out there for a, a high-skill, high-wage manufacturing project. And I would offer that yeah. this project is going to be just as transformative as one of those would be. Again, I'm not putting that down in any way. I do think we need to be doing that. I think we need to be trying to develop those projects. My point is, I don't think we need to be spending 99% of our energy on that. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> there are other things that are just as fruitful, if not more. And in one example is this, this mountain biking trail um, in Athens County, which is going to be incredible. And it's already transforming the small village of Chansey. I mean, Google it. Um, and shout out to Orca <laughs> and all those folks over in Athens that have put in, t in Athens County, mm -hmm. the city of Athens, the commissioners have put in tons of work. And, and really pursued a creative model to make this happen. And I think it's one of the biggest economic development projects going. That's dope. Um, it's, it's dope. It's dope. <laughs> it's dope. It's nice. especially dope for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, Brett's a big bike. Big, um, big biker. One of the things that I was kind of reading through that you had sent over when we were prepping for this that I really like that I want to share. Um, and we talk about this a lot on this podcast, but it's it's really about engaging the community, getting people to kind of defer their first inclination to be immersed and obsessed with things that are outside of their control because that's the screaming box that's yelling at you 
every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really cool about you know this asset-based development approach, and I wanted to, I just wanted to say this. There's a, a guideline. It's called Citizens at the Center, and it's it's basically advocating that it is essential to engage the wider community as actors, okay, doers, not just as recipients of services. Yes. And that's that's more like a holistic kind of yes. economic development approach. Yes. Yeah. The more small businesses you have, the more people you have um, actively engaged in the economic vitality of yes. your community, yeah. the more people there are to, to carry the bucket. Yes. True. And, and if you take that further, if you read further into that, what they what they're intimating is local organizations and governments have gone as far as they can go. They've mm-hmm. provided all the solutions they can provide. The only option for us left to pursue is to engage citizens. Yeah. I, I would argue in my heart of hearts that's backwards. Right. I, I would like to engage yeah. citizens first and then engage organizations and governments. But the way that the system is set up with all the myriad of programming and things that are out there, we we go through those places first. And then when we can't get all the things we want or need, then we turn to citizens to take the lead. And if you go a little further in that, that that's mm-hmm. kind of at the heart of what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. It, this is a this this asset based development. So if you um if you want to see some great examples of folks that are doing this, probably the gold standard is WealthWorks. So if you mm-hmm. Google WealthWorks, I'll put this in the show notes. They've done a lot of amazing work uh, in the deep south around food systems. So for communities that are traditional agrarian agricultural communities and made a number of, of developed products and cottage and small industries out of agricultural products and, and waste products and other things that have really transformed communities where there was no other industry. Yeah. And so it's serving their internal community need for food availability or whatever, but also teaching business skills and teaching them how to operate businesses and, you know, giving them a product they can market to generate re- revenue for their community. So it, it yields a lot of things um, where a traditional developer, you know, would say, you know, well, we, we need to get a Menards in here. Yeah, that's how we fix it, um, and really, this approach is saying there's there's way more that we can do than that. No offense to Menards, we <laughs> love Menards. Thank you, Menards. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like what uh, WealthWorks say, which means much more than money. Like wealth is much yes. more than money. Yes. So you know, I'm reading off their website because he uh, Brett shared it to us, but you know, building multiple capitals, strong yes. sense of community, good infrastructure, well-trained workforce, workforce, force, workforce, force. <laughs> Yes. Uh, natural beauty, inclusion, open government. Yes. And I could almost argue that I think there are probably a lot of communities that have a group, a neighborhood association, an organization that's probably doing a lot of asset-based community development anyway, and they just don't know what it is. Agreed. And, you know, how, how I think for me it's how to link that up with the open government, with your actual government and city officials who can buy into what they are doing and be a part of that. And, and because we know a lot of the smaller local governments are capped anyway on resources yes, in terms of providing jobs with qualified people to look at planning. You know, we advocate for that, obviously. But, you know, if they don't have that, are there neighborhood groups doing that for them or other entities doing it for them? Mm-hmm. And embracing that, and I think, can create an environment that fosters that is asset-based 
community development. And you know these words are going to come out of my mouth. I can't I can't get out of a podcast without saying this. I mean, plight or malign? No, no, no. <laughs> but, I, but, but this is going to be my another my next trope is just, I mean, to me, the basis of Appalachian heritage and culture is we were doing app we were doing asset based development before app asset based development was cool because that's all there was. Yeah. So uh, th- this is not this. Th- Exactly to Sam's point, uh, I think communities and individuals I- in Appalachia have been doing this for generations without even knowing what it was because that's just what you do to survive. Yeah. That's how you make it. Um, and I would say bigger communities or bigger suburbs or, or subset of from a bigger community are doing it because they grew out of sprawl. They became this entity. They became the city that just grew but didn't really have an identity, didn't, didn't know what they wanted to do, what they had. It's just they were a creation of something. And now, as time progresses, they have to do. They have to survive. And they're seeking. Yeah. And, and they're seeking ownership and agency. Yeah. In in that conversation and in that. So there's yeah. a there's a community that uh, all three of us are aware of. Um, and and Sam, you had kind of mentioned earlier about you know the Boys and Girls Club here in Marietta mm-hmm. in a manufacturing area. And we're not talking about Marietta in this specific instance, but it is another community that grew out of sprawl. Mm-hmm. And you know they're looking at rezoning and figuring out like, look, this neighborhood doesn't fit. Yeah. what's there now you know and in order to have that identity in order to take that next step these are the things that we need to look at and put into place to foster that kind of that growth what's there what's what's working yes let's make it easy mm-hmm. for that to happen not introduce any impediments or hurdles through some you know government policy or procedure yeah they know what they are and they want to foster that and just build build upon that all right. Any hot takes on on this? All I have is hot takes. Yeah, <laughs> My, <laughs> mine would just be, and this, this there's a lot going on behind the scenes, and in my own personal preference and experience, what I like to see, and and kind of what you guys know makes me hot. Just here, let it out, uh, Sam. It, but the fact that govern. I would even say our community does a lot of uh, asset-based community development already. Sure. But what you need to have is... In a C4. In a C, yeah. In a C4. I, I would... That yeah. would be my caveat to that sure. statement. Yeah. In, a, in, in, in our downtown core. Yeah. Because asset-based is, is, is getting away from the top down. But if you still have a strong, very top, if a very proactive and very engaged, you know, local de- government... Um, you know, what what voice is louder, right? Is it going to be your com- your community organization doing asset based growth? So is the city going to knock them down for what they want to do, or are they going to take the charge and do what they need to do? To I look at it as almost like stealing. If I was in a in a, a position, uh, if I was a mayor and I had a very strong organization, and stealing is a terrible word to use, but if I had a strong core of groups and organization doing a lot of the grassroots effort that maybe I don't have capacity to do myself or my administration own that you know lean on them um, and advocate for them um, if when you can and, and how to push that selfishly I would want someone on my staff to to drive those conversations and and push that momentum going so I want to phrase it how I want to say it is that although stealing is a bad word, it's more or less taking uh, 
pride and own a collective ownership into all of that into peace. Uh, like all of that would be beneficial for everybody to just work together in that fashion. The smaller, way smaller communities that don't have, I think it's to the point of the beginning is where, you know, of the conversation. They're, if they're making policy and decisions because they want Google, you know, and they're ignoring, they're at, they're, they're, people who are trying to do something i think that does more damage i think yes. you have to and more yes. or less the stories i think you should own yes. what your community is doing for you if you're not doing it yourself and you have a seat of power mm-hmm. really i think the seat of asset-based management too should can be driven also from a city level a local government level people with this who can make decisions right who affect policy they could be doing asset-based management you know community development as well that's my hot take i guess if that makes any sense out there just don't 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 push it aside yeah. if you have it own it if you're not doing it as a local official start to figure out what people are doing and change that narrative so you can start doing that too so you can up you know it's really empowering people so if an organization's empowering people in their community to do something then i think local government city officials city administration should be doing the same and I'm not going to say that's being mm-hmm. done here or not done here, but what my hot take would be is that a community would dismiss that. Yeah. So when I when I moved back from Cleveland to Marietta, um, we started having a lot of these conversations, and I want to my my hot take. Okay, it's not a really like bold thing. It yeah. would just be a piece of advice. For people that are out there, and if you're dealing with this, if you're ever in a conversation and you hear somebody say, why did they do that? Mm-hmm. You know, who thought that would be a good idea? Or, you know what? Somebody should really, like, do something about that. Just ask them, well, what what are you doing? Yeah. All right, I'm in. What, what do you want to do? Let's do it. It's the, the issue that... I see or have seen, I guess, in the last four years of being here is this you do you and I'll do me mentality. Yeah. And so when we talk about local governments being basically expended, I mean, it, they are just barely, if at all, self-sustaining. Okay. And there isn't any, there is no citizenry. And if there is, it's very, very small picking up the torch and that's why i kind of you know made the caveat to what you were saying is that i see a lot of that in the downtown core i do that's one that's one seven block area in an eight square mile town that i i see any activity whatsoever going on from from a citizenry standpoint the rest of it is just like you know government what can you do for me yeah I don't even want to mow my grass. You know, I I don't want to take these, you know, toys out of the yard. I don't want to paint my fence. I don't want to, you know, I'm busy playing video games or I'm busy doing, (laughs) sitting (laughs) on my rear end. Like there, the citizenry, somebody has to lead the way to show them why that's a good idea. And that's why I've always like, I wished that the city here locally or other cities like Marietta, if you've got a great Main Street program like we do. Holla. 
you know. Hello. I wish they would give him more. They'd, uh, they'd expand. But what if we mm. just we were just the crazy, and I'm sure nobody's mm. done it, but what if we were just the crazy knuckleheads that said, you know what, we love our entire town. Everything's Main Street. Every street matters. Yep. Yeah. Every freaking house matters. Yeah. Every business matters. Yep. We're going after everything. Yeah. And the group that we have of one, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. and a really strong board oh, behind oh. her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like that that could be the first step into a really fruitful exercise yeah. into getting people engaged. Yep. Mm-hmm. And putting pressure, quite frankly, on council. Yeah. You know, hey, why why are they doing that job? I thought, you know, what what are you doing? Like, what can I do? I, I they came yeah. and knocked on my door, they gave me this flyer. What can we do? Yeah. yeah. And that provokes policy. It would provoke, you know, what we advocate for and you know, zoning yeah. change, uh comprehensive planning. I mean, we don't even know who we are. And yeah. we're just one of a thousands of communities that have these issues. Yes. But that that's my hot take, yeah. I guess. Well open government is an asset. To so mm. to to, we just spoke with the community this morning. Yeah, and I mean I was blown away by the amount of professionalism that was occurring. Yeah, at every level. Everybody well, knew yeah. their job. Everybody mm-hmm. knew everybody else's job. <laughs> you yeah. Know, oh, they're, they're going to be over here. They're going to be doing this. They're going to do this. Oh, you need that. Those minutes. Okay, they'll be posted. You know, five days before the meeting. Like it was, yeah. it was a well-oiled machine. Yeah, top notch. You can you can at least point to somebody and get a question, get something out of it. Yep. Well, and that access is an asset, to Sam's point. I yes. Mean, mm-hmm. we, if if yes. we were in Columbus, yes. Ohio, that meeting we had today would have taken two weeks to orchestrate, probably. Yeah. You know, we can't just call the mayor up and get in there tomorrow mm-hmm. if you're in Toledo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is a, one of the beauties of a small town. Speaking of beauties, things of beauty, mm. you got a, you got a little story for us, don't you? You know, Brett always has a story. Story time with Brett. <laughs> Brett always has a story. <laughs> Maybe two years ago... A mutual friend of ours and I, we hosted a candidate event here in this very building. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that event was to talk about issues that, f- from our perspective, were relevant for people who were in office or were considering running for office. And we were talking about a lot of these same issues that we're talking about here. Development issues, community issues, um, infrastructure issues. We were talking about all these things. And during this conversation there was a participant who looked up at our colleague, my friend, our friend and our colleague and said, do you know what we need? We need some big tech company to come in here and invest. And I watched this person turn about 20 shades of gray. And I also watched his blood pressure go up about 400 points. And he just very calmly and very accurately said, that's never going to happen. And here's why. Do we have sites and buildings available right now where we could site this company if they wanted, even if they wanted to come here right now and they said, we're coming, no holes barred. Yeah. Do we have someplace we could put them? We don't. Do we have academic or educational programs out there that are turning out students that are educated in the field that's relevant to this, the tech industry, that we could put to work right away in this company? We don't. Do we have leadership that's willing to proactively invest in the infrastructure necessary to populate one of these sites if we did have it? Do, do we? Is that present in our community? It's not. Okay. For all of those reasons, 
what you've just asked for will likely never happen. But here's what we could do. We could start right now, today, and start investing in that infrastructure. We could start identifying and putting into public ownership those sites and buildings that might be relevant to that. We could establish and put in place the programming that would produce the talent needed to staff that industry should it come here. We could start that today. And in 30 years, that could happen. But there, there is basically zero chance of that happening right now or any time in the near future until we take those steps plus other things. Mm-hmm. And the person who asked that question just had no idea. And, and my opinion is that was a good, a good sound bite to say is we need to get a big tech company to come here and invest. When in reality, the likelihood of that is basically zero without those things that I just described. And so it was a great learning moment for that person. Uh, I think they thought they were saying something very smart. um, And in actuality, they're saying something that's basically impossible at the moment. And um, I was very happy to be there for that (laughs) moment and that experience. But I think that feeling of we need X company to come in here and invest in our community is the refrain in many places. And ha- yeah. and and folks who are probably saying that pr- also probably have no idea what it takes to actually make that happen or to make that r- real. Yeah. And so I wanted to share that s- anecdotal story. You know what's funny? It would be kind of cool if our local officials did come out of that meeting and go, you know what, I do want to invest in that. Um, I'm uh, I'm gonna get on the horn tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. I'm gonna look in the phone book under B's big tech, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna call one. And then the tomorrow comes, they get on the phone, they they call this big tech company, and that big tech company. Well, what do you think they're gonna say? Do you think they're gonna ask about infrastructure sites and all that stuff? Maybe. But I would argue that their expectation is that all of those things already exist. Sure. The question yeah. they're going to ask is, well, tell me about your town. Sure. True. Yeah. That right there should be enough for people to say, we got we to gotta invest in our assets, what we have. Yes. We got we to gotta make this a really, 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 really nice place to live. Mm-hmm. And, maybe we, and if we do that, we don't have to worry about big tech. Maybe we worry about a small SaaS company, a one-to-five person mm-hmm. app. Yeah, that we have in this building. How about like that? Those, yeah. those type <laughs> of <laughs> things. So I like that story. Story time with Brett. Has now been That's true. <laughs> we need an intro yeah. and an outro like a... Da, da, da. <laughs> so Welcome to story time with Brett. <laughs> Ready, boy, you got a hot take? I'm good for one last hot take. Hot take. Okay. After working for so long in the community development, economic development, I'm left with the feeling that since our community struggle to land these larger projects, these larger opportunities, they're often dismissed unfairly, unnecessarily. And so to you out there that are listening, if you're a development official or if you're a community official, you know, that guy that's trying to build a business around artistic welding, that's important. Mm-hmm. That, that's important development in your community. That, that gal that, that, or guy that wants to start an art gallery, that, you know, that's an important development opportunity. Um, you know, that, that person that wants to open a small coffee shop and maybe along with that rehabilitate a storefront, that's a huge development opportunity. And what I'm saying is I understand they're not as, ex- as sexy 
as these other larger splashy projects. But ultimately, those investments and projects are the ones that are transformative in communities like ours. Yes. And we need not push them away. And quite honestly, we need to find ways to incentivize those and support those and help grow more of those opportunities. And so that's that's what we're saying mm -hmm. here is that mm -hmm. while we do struggle to do those other things, we could do a whole I could do a whole two hour podcast on why we're not going to be competitive to get the next Ford plant. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but these other opportunities are important and we shouldn't they're not nothing. And we should be taking those very seriously and treating them as the high value opportunities that they are. Yeah. And the we in that scenario, this is just me playing off of you. You tell me if I'm saying something counter to your argument, but the we in that is the folks that are sitting in this podcast studio right now, your neighbor, your council person, your mayor, your city administration. It is you in the local sphere. It is not your state rep. It is not your congressman sure that if you want them involved then you are saying government please get bigger please get bigger and make things way more complicated for me and create rules and hoops that i gotta jump through mm -hmm. you pick it up locally sure yeah. we could we could even well this is a great topic for another podcast but just write it down yeah, could you put it in the I google will. sheet put it on <laughs> the board <laughs> it's it's uh state control over local governments right policies uh, pre-exemption so trying to uh, one example i guess for me would right there is the garbage bag lo like there's a policy in the state of ohio that you can't like, you can't ban and i could be wrong but if a state a state makes a, a law that you can't ban you as a local government can't ban uh, plastic bags you right. know that affects everybody at the local level right it's not a local issue. What if the local issue for Marietta was that we had way more waterways, right? What, we have two rivers, but what if we were, what if we were like ninety percent in the floodplain, and we had a bunch of wetlands, like just you know beautiful wildlife, but maybe we wanted to ban those bags because they were causing a threat to our asset, yep. of what we are, which is a wetland water, whatever. That's an example, and but that's a great one into that because local level, that's how you're affected by that day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So it is those people that you mentioned that that you need to talk with, get a hold of. Um, that affects you. That those are the people you need to reach out to, yep. not your state reps. Yeah, yep. I'm with you. I I'm gonna shut this one down. I'm with you. Um, shut it down. If if you enjoyed this, if you're enjoying our podcast at all, um, you know we ask for five star reviews all the time, but I got one better. Share this with somebody if you see it come through on your news feed or you're listening to this. Just copy the link and shoot it to a buddy or a friend in a text and say, you should listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, that'll do the same amount, if not more, I think. Mm -hmm. um, you know, provided you care about these issues, you know, if you're like, yeah, I don't like that, Jared. His, I don't like his voice. Yeah. And I don't blame <laughs> you. I don't like it either. But And, and give us those issues, too. If you got them, <laughs> name it. Yeah, know, if you got them. We, we get a lot of questions mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, feedback. We really appreciate it. And we try to reach out with everybody same day or or shortly thereafter yep. so uh keep them coming all right until next time thank you for listening to my town hustle we would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it but most importantly subscribe and leave us a rating and review on itunes spotify or whichever platform you consume your podcasts it would mean the world to us until next time folks thanks for listening
begin from